Today we're going to talk about the battle for hearts and minds of men. Um, women, don't be offended. I'm just using that generically. Uh, men and women. Um, you know, whenever there's conflict in our world, um, there's oftentimes a, a push or um, an endeavor on the part of uh, one side or the other to seek to uh, win over uh, the people that actually are being um, oppressed, really, to win them to uh, their side. You, you see this in Iraq uh, and uh, Afghanistan, where um, American or Canadian soldiers will, uh, you know, just try to become human to the children, because it's so important to win the hearts and minds of the populace um, in a war. And the passage of scripture that we're going to take a look at today, I think, speaks very much about the fact that there's a battle that's going on for the hearts and minds of men when it comes to that which is most important in life, and that is their spiritual health. Um, we read in, in 1 Corinthians these words, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruit. Uh, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, uh, sorry, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he's put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so it's, it's I guess, a little bit confusing when we think of war and battle and that metaphor, because uh, the fact of the matter is that, that there is a conclusion that's all been, already been reached the war itself has been won. The war was won by Christ when he died and rose from the grave. And Christ gave each and every one of us. This is, this is how it affects us. He's given each and every one of us, anyone who would believe in what he's done, the means to overcome Satan and sin, and death, that we are no longer in bondage to sin, or Satan, or even death. About this, Scripture is, is very clear. But Scripture also indicates, as that passage indicates in 1 Corinthians 15, that there, there's still battles raging on. And, and when Christ returns... And he reigns for a thousand years. And then there will be that last battle that, that Satan and those he's duped into serving him will, will rise up for one last shot at trying to win a war that was won 2,000 years ago on the cross. But there's a battle raging on, and that battle is for the hearts and minds of men. 
So you could say that victory has been guaranteed, guys. It's been guaranteed. We know who wins. But there is a battle that rages on. And this passage that we are, we're going to take a look at, uh, it really indicates that there is a battle. And though this story is thousands of years old, it pertains to us today. Because we, as Christ's ambassadors and even soldiers, are in a battle with to win over the hearts and minds of men. So let's just read this passage from Acts 13, verses 4 to 12. Saul and Barnabas, as we've seen, were set apart by the Holy Spirit to do missions work. And we start with the two of them. The two of them, sent on the way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, uh, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper, and they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul, because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So you have here the battle for the heart and mind of Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, a Roman ruler. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. I want our focus today to be on the nature of this battle. And we are going to take lessons from the field, if you will. <coughs> Lessons from Paul and Barnabas in this situation, where clearly there's this battle to win over Sergius Paul's. We're also going to take some truth from, I would say, a field guide, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4, which is really helpful when it comes to how we are to approach spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's some lessons from the field. Number one, appreciate the challenge. We need to appreciate the spiritual reality when we are seeking to share truth with others. By this I mean we need to recognize that not everything is as it may seem. There are forces at work that might not be readily apparent. 
We read in 2 Corinthians 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there is actually a proactive effort on the part of Satan, who, whose, whose MO is to come and uh, steal and kill and thwart the progress of the kingdom of God. There's a proactive strategy of Satan to blind people from the truth. In the case of Sergius Paulus, he had been under the influence of Elimas. And Paul identified Elimas in this way, you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And the Bible says, and the scripture says, that Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man. And yet, he's under the influence of this deceiver, this trickster, this guy who, who has a few tricks up his sleeve. And so we need to be aware of the spiritual reality. We need to be aware there are forces at work that we might not be readily aware of. But if I stop there, that would be a real downer. <laughs> we also need to recognize the reason that the Holy Spirit is leading us into that relationship. Why is the Holy Spirit leading us into a relationship where we feel at some point compelled to share the gospel? Because remember, Paul and Barnabas went because the Holy Spirit led them. And we too will be led by the Holy Spirit into relationships where we are able to share truth. And so we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit has worked, but the Holy Spirit is not just at work in us. That just as Satan is trying to blind and dupe people and prevent them from coming into a truth that will set them free, the Holy Spirit is at work in people's hearts, drawing them. We read, in, in, uh, we read the words of Jesus in Luke, no one comes unto me unless the Father draws him, in John. John 6, 44, no one comes unto me unless the Father draws him. And so we know that the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he draws people to Christ. That should be encouraging for us. We should be understanding that if the Holy Spirit is leading us into that relationship, yes, they might be under the influence, they may be blinded, but it can also be true that the Holy Spirit has been doing a work in their lives and that they are a harvest that is ripe. The next thing that, that we need to keep in mind as a lesson from the field is this. Pushback is to be expected. It says in our story, but Alimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So there was an active um, work going on by Alimus to try to counteract what Paul 
and Barnabas were doing. I don't know if you're, you're like me, but I always assume, uh, this is just the way I am. <laughs> I, I wonder if you're like me. I always assume when there's pushback that I did something wrong. I do. It, whenever I get resistance, I'm like, oh, goodness, what have I done wrong? Maybe I misread the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit didn't want me to do this. Maybe I'm making things worse. What a mistake. Anybody else like that here? Whenever I get pushback, I say, well, oh, man, what did I, well, I screwed up. But the fact of the matter is that there will be pushback. Uh, Satan has lost the war, but he's going down, trying to take as many as he can with him, and, and he works, he, 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 he's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> yeah, darn it. So, we need to expect that there's going to be some pushback. Thirdly, I love the fact that um, this account gives the idea that you have to be versatile in your approach. Uh, I'm not a big fan of these packages that, you know, a church takes on the package and this is what you do and, and then you, you kind of take on the package and you go out and save souls based on points A, B, and C in the, in the package. I, I really don't, I don't think that's a, a great way to do things. I really believe that we have to be customizing all of our approaches with people and respond to them um, in, where they're at. This is a this is a t-shirt. <laughs> you, you can buy this t-shirt online. Winning the hearts and minds of our enemy. And then there's a AK-47, I think it is. Two in the heart and one in the mind. You get it? That's kind of actually, I think, very well depicts what our world is like right now. <laughs> that there are two forces. <laughs> There are some, let's just blow them up when there's conflict. And others are, we need to win them over. <laughs> and, you, you know, you, you kind of see that, right? And, and I, love, I love what Saul and Barnabas did. Their approach with Sergius Paulus is kind of twofold, to be quite honest. It says, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. First of all, Paul and Barnabas speak directly. I mean, we're talking AK-47 to Elemis, right? It's like you are a son of the devil. You are a trickster. You are this, that, and the other. Right? But at the same time, this guy's intelligent. He's a smart guy. And so they share truth. They share the truth. They tell them the truth. And so, when the proconsul sees that this Elemis is blinded, because you got to understand, Sergius Paulus has been under this guy's influence, so he is impressed by the supernatural. And after he heard the teaching, he believed. He came 
to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just as an aside, I want you to, to take note that the gospel of Jesus Christ is having an exponential effect emanating from Jerusalem out into the known world. And it's not just the hard done bys who are coming to Jesus Christ. I don't know if you noticed, but the passage last week talked about a guy who was part of the church who actually grew up with Herod, was his buddy. And you'll start to see that there are these people in positions of influence. It's not that, you know, the simple come to Jesus. It's not that the uninfluential come to Jesus. It's not about that. It's about where you are spiritually. And if you recognize your need for Christ. And so, we have to be versatile in our approach. Uh, I, I, love the, I love the fact we're, we're going through Alpha, as you know, on Sunday nights. And Nikki Gumbel, who's um, a lawyer, um, he, he came to Christ through the intellect, quite frankly. He, he needed to uh, address the claims of Christ. And so after reviewing the claims of Christ through actually a very much an intellectual pursuit, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. But there are other guys in this series, which, which we'll see later in our video series, who were just hard-knock guys, like drug dealers, thugs, really, who came to Jesus Christ out of the desperation of their addictions. And they ran to Jesus and came to Jesus because he was their deliverer. It's a big difference between Nicky Gumbel, who comes to Christ through the mind, and the thug who comes on a very emotional level to Christ. It doesn't matter how you come to Christ. <laughs> Just come to Christ is the point. So, versatility in our approach as we do this. And then the next thing I need to say as a lesson from the field is integrity. You see, Satan used Elimus as perversion of the truth. Paul says he perverted the truth. His trickery and his deceit to blind Sergius Paulus to truth. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that we should never resort to that sort of tactic. We read in 2 Corinthians 4, again, this, this field book, if you will, on how to share the gospel and our approach. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. And so when you see Paul and Barnabas as they're dealing with this situation, they're not trying to be hucksters for the Lord. They're not trying to distort the truth. And you say, well, that is so far-fetched. Far that is so far from our reality. And I would say, is it really? When we try to reach out to people and we say that, you know, come to Jesus, he will make everything all right. Jesus doesn't make everything all right. 
That's a lie. It's deceit. It's trickery. It's like putting out something that, that, that people will chase after, that Jesus is going to make everything all right. No, you'll probably stay in that really nasty relationship. You'll probably still suffer with that ailment. That's not what it's about. Jesus is going to make you a victor through it. It's going to help you deal with that relationship. Deal with that ailment in a way in which you have hope and joy and peace. So we can be tricksters. <laughs> we offer out this stuff. Come to Jesus. Some of it's just blatant. You go, you know, look on TV and you look at these guys who are saying, you know, you, if you come to Christ, you can be rich. And what's sickening, and I mean sickening, is that this is the gospel that the West often takes to Africa. No wonder Africans come to Christ. Because they think he's going to take them out of poverty. And that's a lie from the pit. It kills me. It's falsehood. It's near and dear to my heart. False promises have no place when we're sharing the gospel. And then lastly, let's keep Christ central. <clears throat> what was the message that Paul and Barnabas gave to Sergius Paulus? They proclaimed the word of God. He wanted to hear the word of God. He was amazed at the teachings about the Lord. Jesus Christ has to be central. In 2 Corinthians 4, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. You know, as much as people respect us, as much as people or God may have used us, regardless of how brilliant we are, perhaps how eloquent we are, perhaps how persuasive we are, we've got nothing to offer the world. Okay? I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I've got Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we have to present Jesus, not ourselves. We have to get out of the way. So let's quickly review. We need to appreciate the challenge. Pushback is expected. Versatility we need in our approach. Remember Paul said, I'm all things to all people so that some might come to Christ. Um, I need to have integrity. I need to keep Christ as the message, as the centrality. It is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ and what he has done. And finally, we need to avail ourselves of the resources that we have in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. There is an all-surpassing power, but it's not from us. It's from God himself. And we are just vessels that he wants to use. In Luke 12, we read, Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time, what you should say. 
I can just imagine those disciples when they were being sort of given the charge, ordained, if you will, by Jesus. I'm going away, boys. It's up to you now. <laughs> and they're like, I'm a fisherman, dude. I don't, I don't know anything. I can't speak. I didn't study the Torah. I, I didn't, shoot, I didn't even go to school. What am I going to say? And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will teach you. And will even give you the very words to say. Has anybody had that experience where they've been in a situation, literally, where the words came from the Holy Spirit? It's an awe-inspiring experience. And I'll tell you, you walk away from those situations and say, you saved my bacon again. Because I didn't know what I was going to say in that situation. But the Holy Spirit gives you the words, teaches you while you're doing it. And so the fishermen went out and changed the world. <laughs> I look at Peter. I mean, he gave, he gave a sermon right after Pentecost. And thousands of people came to Jesus Christ. Don't forget who Peter is. He's just a simple guy. But you read what he, what he said, and it's like, it's from the Holy Spirit. And so we are jars of clay, but we have a treasure. We have power. We have the ability of the Holy Spirit. And so, every Christian has the mandate to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This experience in Acts tells us about how we should approach things. And so we've gone through some of the lessons from the field. But do not forget that it is our mandate. It's up to us. Some people have wrongly said that the Great Commission is just for the disciples. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you what the great commandment is, or the great uh, commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, you know what, guys? They didn't get to all the nations. Peter didn't get to England. So it presumes that there's others, right? You're the others. You're the others. Don't get that wrong. Don't forget that. All right? So make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, guess what? They didn't really make it to the end of the age. <laughs> Their lives were cut short. They were, many of them were killed for the faith. So who was it that's supposed to carry on this message to the end of the age? That's you too. We have we have the responsibility to do exactly what it says there. That is our commission, just as it was their commission. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this great testimony, this wonderful story from Acts, where Saul and Barnabas um, went into heavy fire and went into a very difficult situation with a very powerful opponent. But they followed your direction. They did it the right way. And Sergius Paulus came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And we don't know about Alimus, but I'm thinking he might have too. 
Lord, give us a burden for the lost in our area and help us to be people of integrity who just present the truths of Jesus Christ as your Holy Spirit needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.